Welcome to the Early Access Podcast, Episode 2. It is August 13th, 2019. I'm your host, Nikki from Stealth Shampoo. Kewl is producing the show. We are not stupid because we got the RSS feed up properly on Spotify and iTunes. You can check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Stealth Shampoo if you want to watch the waveform of my voice or you prefer to get your podcast there. And I forgot to mention last week, if you want to submit questions, advice, requests, anything like that, stories, you can go over to discord.gg slash I got a channel for that. You can fill out a Google Docs form. All that stuff so we can get some audience interaction in here. I wanted to mention before we got too deep into this series. So there's a couple things when I started designing this podcast that I wanted to hit on. It's a little bit different from other places. Number one, uh, I didn't want to have a show that was so uh, visual. I wanted to be able to do everything audio only. Uh, my goal is to have a show that... You don't have to be looking at your phone or your computer screen for. I do a lot of commuting and I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't even commute that far. It took me an hour to get home from work today. And on a good day, it'll take 22 minutes. So I listen to a lot of podcasts in the car. Kind of wanted to create some kind of content that didn't encourage dangerous driving, even though I know you can very safely watch podcasts on your computer. Also, I wanted to I wanted to say this now because if, if it ever happens in the future, I want someone to call me out on it. There's a couple things I don't want to endorse. Every single podcast that I listen to, no exceptions, has uh, they have some kind of sponsor code for a website builder, and those are a complete ripoff. When I was in school still, I designed a website for the school news station, and someone had used an unnamed website builder uh, to build their website over there. And the professor for that class was paying $300 freaking dollars a year when stillshampoo.com, uh, my website that I've actually created myself, you can buy the domain and the hosting. It's not hard to do. You can literally install a WordPress plugin to run your website. You don't really need to know any coding. If you need any help, you can just ask your domain provider. I use Namecheap. They have great support. Not sponsored. But uh, I my website costs 20 bucks, And the school website that runs off this unnamed, unmentioned website curator, the website designing tool, I'm sure you've heard of on many other podcasts. There's quite a few of them out there. That was $300 versus 20. So I don't want to be telling people to go out and spend all their money when you can spend a couple more seconds buying your own domain and hosting and linking that together. It's not hard to make a website. I literally taught it to myself. Uh, there's plenty of YouTube tutorials out there to do that kind of stuff. Also, uh, at some point, I will try to monetize this because I want to buy more Pokemon cards. In fact, we are starting late. On today's show at twitch.tv slash Delshape, you can catch us live 9 p.m. PST because I was sleeving Pokemon cards. So I will monetize at some point because I need more Pokemon cards. Also, Soylent. I'm going to call them out right now. I drink that stuff every day. If I can, if I, that's what, I'll endorse Soylent. Uh, I have no idea if it's healthy or not, but it is delicious and I haven't died from drinking it. It's been over a year. Anyway, let's get to the good stuff. Kuehler has purchased a ticket to come to Japan with me. Uh, it's something that we've been talking about for a little bit. Uh, I am originally going to go over to see Kitty, who is graduating. She's my best friend who lives over in southern Japan. And we're going to be taking a trip to her city for her graduation and then Tokyo. And I was looking up things to do in Tokyo. And, of course, uh, I was excited to go over to VR Zone Shinjuku. But that place closed down uh, permanently. That place is not open anymore. I was really excited to go play Mario Kart VR and all that stuff. But I found plenty of other VR arcades to go to in Japan in particular. Tower Tag is something that I've wanted to try for two years since I've been a part of the VR industry. It's this 2v2 PvP VR title 
where there's a pillar uh, and you play exclusively exclusively around this pillar. Everyone gets one pillar and you use it as a piece of cover as you shoot towards your opponents. There's a 2v2 game mode and you teleport from pillar to pillar in VR. In the real world, you have one physical pillar that you're always behind. In VR, you're teleporting from pillar to pillar and the way they set the game up is so that the pillar is always in the same spot of the room and you can use it for cover. You're not changing pillars in real life, but you're changing it in VR. It gives it this sense of uh, a large space. In space, actually, I think the game takes place in space. I want to play that Q-Alert because I think unlike a lot of people I see at VR arcades, uh, we have... Do they allow guns in Japan, Q-Alert? Do you know? Right, that's not... That's not. I don't know the specifics of Japanese gun laws, but it's obviously not the United it States. It is not the United States. One time when I was showing a... a I showed this British girl how to how to play like this zombie shooting game and she could not line up the rear sight and the foresight like i understand that's not as embedded into their culture as it is here in america uh so i i'm hoping that we have a marksmanship level advantage also Kuler has the oculus Rift rift that i won uh back last year so we we are vr trained and we're we're americans we have skills the skills the the natural innate marksmanship inherited by our by our founding fathers, uh, so I'm expecting us to go over to Japan and do some work over in Tower Attack. There's some other things I want to try. Uh, the Steel Beam Crossing of Despair at VR Park Shibuya. This is a game where you walk from one building to another, and you're you're not actually in any danger of falling and breaking your legs in real life. But in VR, it can really seem like it. Uh, they have similar games that you can play pretty much in your own VR setup at home or any VR arcade you can find literally anywhere in the world. It's called Richie's Plank Experience. But uh, people very often think that that game is incredibly simple. Uh, oh, I won't get scared doing it. When uh, And when you put the VR headset on, you actually feel like your innate primal instinct. I mean, the reason you're still alive today is because your ancestors didn't fall out of a tree. Uh, and, and you know, crack their heads open or anything like that. Like, there's a reason people are afraid of falling. It's because it keeps us alive. And when your eyes and your your ears, I almost called them sound receptors, that's, I guess, literally what they are, are immersed in an environment where it looks like you can fall, the wind is blowing, right? All you can see to your left and right is a 20-story drop, then that can really get you. Now, the thing is, I've been doing VR for a long time. So that kind of stuff uh, at home doesn't scare me anymore. But I want to try out what they have because it's a completely different game. And apparently there's some tricks that they do to mess with you and mess with your sense of balance and equilibrium. So I want to try that out. The number one thing that I am most excited for, though, uh, by far, it costs $60, uh, something like 6K yen, literal ninja training except it's in VR. So it's this whole immersive theater experience where at the very end, you put a VR headset on and you play a game, which honestly, the game doesn't look too good. It looks like a very basic hack and slash with no actual like good melee elements like you'd see in Gorn. Gorn has a lot of like wacky game physics or uh, like a more realistic melee-based game like Blade and Sorcery where all the weapons can actually like physically interact with any other weapons so you can clash weapons with each other. Uh, it, it doesn't look like that in-depth and that good of a game, but they give you a certificate uh, that says you're an actual ninja. Whether or not you survive, they film a mixed reality video, which is super cool. I know a lot of people go in there and they get a video and they actually like, oh, uh, they look dumb doing it, but they have fun anyway. I want to go in there and look pretty legit, like the most legit person who's been in there. I doubt there are many people 
who have thousands of hours of VR experience like I do going in. This really ties in what I was talking about last week with me being a sweaty tryhard, but I want a dope video of me being a ninja because they give you the full outfit. They actually put you through training. Like I said, it's an immersive theater experience. So at the end, you go play the ninja VR game, but at the beginning, they literally have two ninjas come out of some smoke and teach you how to use a sword and how to throw shuriken. What are the what are the stars called? Kyler? Shuriken? Shuriken? Okay, I got it right. Something like that. Uh, they actually I have you practice throwing. In real life, you don't actually throw anything in the VR game. That that uh, is a virtual object. They have you practice actual like swordsmanship. Is that a word? I hope so because I just used it. Swordsmanship, yes. They have you actually practice a bunch of stuff, and it's a a whole like I don't know how long it is, but it's definitely not like a walk in and walk out kind of thing. Like you have to schedule an appointment and take this ninja class, and then they give you a video. And they're actors, and they speak. Really, uh, from what I saw in the trailer, very fluent English. So I'm really excited to go do that, if only for the video and for the immersive theater experience. Like I'm not really too drawn or excited to play uh, the VR game because it does seem uh, incredibly basic. There's some other things. Uh, Japan apparently has a zero latency, which I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, VR, uh, aside from me going to Japan to play VR. But I, I was in Vegas and I went to zero latency. I think it was $50 a person, and I was with someone. So I ended up spending $100 on this. Luckily, it was a stipend. I was flown out to Vegas, so it wasn't too big of a deal. But it was $100 to go to zero latency, and it was a very, very bad experience uh, as a VR veteran. And pretty much everyone else who I was with, we had two girls there who weren't really VR veterans like we were. They were whelmed at best. Not over, like just just whelmed. They thought it was okay. Uh, I thought it was pretty bad. The coolest thing is Zero Latency has these headsets that are custom designed to have fans on the top. I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, but it's it's a completely wireless experience where you're in a big warehouse with something like six to eight people. So I had a full group of eight friends, seven other friends, and you walk around and play a shooting game. And the the hardware itself was terrible. The tracking was super bad. If you turned your head too quickly, you would get an insane amount of motion blur, which you don't get in real life, believe it or not. I mean, snap your head left and right and everything looks fine. Your brain does some auto-correction there. Uh, but the actual head-mounted display that they had at zero latency was was complete garbage. And pretty much every LBE, location-based entertainment, which means like fancy amusement park-style VR thing that I've done uh, has been garbage, with the exception of The Void. Uh, the Void was cool because even though it was a very simple experience, I did the Star Wars Void experience, which you guys can go see at Disneyland. They do cool things with haptics like heat. Um, they lower you into this volcano, and you can actually feel... It's not uncomfortable amount of heat like there would be if you really were being lowered down into a volcano, but it was enough heat to see, like, oh, I'm actually, like, this platform is going down, I'm going into the volcano. The floor shakes. There were physical objects to grab, like you have to grab and pull a lever down, which resets itself after you pull it, which I found out because I was messing with the lever more than I was supposed to. The void was super cool, but every other VR experience I've done that's not an arcade experience, uh, arcade experiences are stuff you can literally do at home if you have a full VR setup. Uh, everything I've done, uh, as far as LBE goes, uh, has been absolutely terrible, and they have zero latency there. Uh, but these... These places are incredibly popular. I mean, there's a reason Zero Latency in Vegas can charge $50 a person. And I think it's because there's this disconnect in what people think they want out of virtual reality because it's not completely mainstream yet and what is actually cool and fun 
you know, there, there's a difference between selling someone something, right? And then, and then the product that they actually get. I mean, you see this with food commercials all the time, right? You have this beautifully made, like, burger, right? It's all painted, it'll be all sh- shimmery, glowy, and they, they never come out like They come out smashed, uh, the bun's completely torn apart. It's not anything like you'd see in commercials. And VR has that disconnect right now where people can actually be convinced to do things uh, that aren't necessarily super high-quality experiences. They they will still have fun with them, but you would honestly get more bang for your buck going to a local VR arcade. And, of course, I do own a VR arcade, so I'm a little bit biased, I will admit. But I these, these experiences that people go out and pay an absurd amount of money for for a low amount of time aren't nearly as high-quality, even though they look high-quality, than going to a VR arcade where you have individualized stations and you play VR games that you could play at home if you own uh, a home VR setup. But these businesses are doing incredibly well because it's very marketable and it looks cool from the outside. Um, and you get the cool gun, which it doesn't matter how the gun looks like in VR. It really only matters how the game operates. Um, and it's not something that people do repeatedly. It's something that you'll get a lot of one-time customers. Maybe maybe there'll be a couple repeat people. Uh, but there, there is that quality drop if you do any kind of LBE VR. I mean, zero latency was significantly worse than any kind of experience you can get from literally going over to your friend's house and trying their PSVR. I, I think it was that bad. People enjoy it still because of the novelty. VR is so new. You can put them in anything. It can be complete garbage. And the fact that when their head moves, the environment changes to reflect that. They can see their hands or a representation of their hands, whether that be like a gun that they're holding or controllers. There, there's still that disconnect there, uh, but there's there's the novelty of the actual VR space. There's a lot of cool VR stuff that Kilo and I are going to go out and do in Japan. Of course, that's not the only thing we're going to do. We're going to play flat games too because I'm going over there to play Dance Rush Stardom and get some of the exclusive songs there. But uh, we are going to be gone. I feel like I should mention for the podcast, we're going to be gone for two or three weeks. Kayla, do you know how many Tuesdays we're missing in September? Because we, we I don't know. I'm only going for some days, remember? So I'm not, I don't know your full schedule. Um, I'm going to be gone for at least two Tuesdays. So that's going to that's gonna conflict with the show a little bit. I don't know if I want to do the show there or just enjoy my own vacation or hold everything I, I did on vacation for a show after I get back. But... We're going there in September. It's going to be my third time in Japan and my first time in Tokyo. I've never actually been there. I'm super excited. And let's move over to some other gaming news. That will be... Uh, I think we do have one show in September, actually. Let me let me pop open a calendar here. Yeah, we, we should have a show in September and then the second week of September I'll be gone. I've got some other stuff that happened on Twitch this week. Of course, there was a whole thing with Ninja. To catch some of you guys up, Ninja moved over from Twitch to Mixer. Uh, about a week or two ago. And because of that, uh, his Twitch channel was completely dormant. So originally, it was just the Ninja offline screen. I mean, if I stopped, which I have actually stopped streaming, I think there was a point where I didn't stream for like a month after I had finished my time as a professional streamer. But there was a time uh, where instead of having the offline screen on Ninja's channel, they put up uh, a bunch of suggested Fortnite streams. And the reason for Twitch doing this is very simple. It's the same reason YouTube has autoplay or has recommended videos on the side of the video you're currently watching. It's to keep people engaged in the site, keep them cycling through. Because any moment you're not actively watching a Twitch streamer or participating in chat is a moment Twitch could lose you as traffic, as advertising revenue, as someone engaging with the website. So it's important for them 
to include features like auto hosting, for example. Uh, that's one of the things that they took from DeepBot or uh, other chat bots on Twitch was that there's a list of people after your stream went offline, you could host someone and their stream would appear on your stream. Uh, they took that from bots and then implemented it in the Twitch site. So if you were, God forbid, super excited to watch Nikki from Stealth Shampoo one day and he was offline, then you could see someone he's hosted and go over to their channel and that keeps you in the Twitch ecosystem. Very similar to how Amazon will say, hey, you bought rubber bands. Do you want to buy some staplers next? Keeps you engaged in their website. And so Twitch did that on Ninja's channel. There's a lot of traffic still going to Ninja's channel. Not everyone heard about his transition immediately. So they started to show some Fortnite streams at the top of his page when uh, all of a sudden one day there was some porn up there. Uh, the thumbnail was some straight up uh, un undisputable porn. We're not, we're not talking. It was not softcore is what I'll say. Uh, I, I did my due diligence. Uh, I, we, we take journalism very seriously on the Early Access podcast. It was some straight up porn on Ninja's on Ninja's offline Twitch page. Uh, he called Twitch out on Twitter and Twitch's response, this is something I don't see enough people acknowledging. Twitch's response is concerning, but not in the way that I think a lot of people will would realize. Twitch said that this was simply an experiment. Uh, I know the CEO directly apologized to Ninja saying uh, no excuses. So I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. Uh, no excuses, we're sorry this happened. But this is Twitch experimenting on people who uh, who don't use the auto host, and there's even like auto rating now feature on Twitch. I personally don't um, like the auto hosting feature on Twitch at all. I don't use it on my own channel. Um, I first off don't get an incredible amount of viewers like I used to on Twitch, but and whenever I see someone's hosting someone or oh someone's rating someone, I tune out immediately. I'm one of those viewers. Uh, I, I am here to watch streamer X. And if streamer X goes online, I don't want to go watch their friend streamer Y. Stop me. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click off of Twitch and go do something else with my day. And I, I don't want to sit on Twitch all day chatting. And so Twitch is, if we take them at their word, that this truly was an experiment to see how they could uh, use offline channels as not a dead end, but keep people invested in the Twitch ecosystem, right? They said it was an experiment to keep people watching other streams, uh, this means that someone like me who opts out of auto rating or uh, auto rating, I think rating is built into the, the website now, instead of just posting a link in the chat, people can like click an actual button that goes directly to someone else's live page. But there's, I don't participate in rating anymore, any kind, whether it be links or by the Twitch built in feature hosting, um, rebroadcasting old content. Like I don't do any of that stuff and I'm not hating on anyone who does. It's just not something I want to do. Twitch is experimenting with a feature to still keep people uh, in their Twitch ecosystem by showing them a list of streams that are live on offline pages. Uh, and Ninja had no way to opt out of this. And if this truly was an experiment that they're going to be working on in the future, uh, other people may not have a way to opt out of this either. Uh, so whether or not you are auto hosting someone, you know, there's there's always a way for Twitch to keep people on their website, whether it be. I'm auto-hosting someone and then now I can go over to this person's website or this person's Twitch stream. Or if you don't use auto-host like I do or all your auto-hosts more likely happen to be offline, then they can recommend other channels that you don't necessarily endorse. So that's something to take away uh, from the whole Ninja experiment. But there is an insane amount of porn on Twitch nowadays. Uh, I have no idea why. There's that whole thing with the artifact category playing 
uh, I think they literally played like Infinity Wars, the the full length movie there. Um, just random porn in the just chatting section, and this could take. I mean, I've seen it anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour to take down like straight up porn streams on Twitch. They'll start off. I mean, I remember watching one with Kuehler. We were sitting around doing nothing, and uh, we tuned into the stream with less than a hundred viewers. I was just playing straight porn, and uh, it got up to eight hundred viewers i think before it was banned and i really wonder what the process over at twitch is like uh because i have also seen twitch staff in streams like illegal rebroadcasted sports streams or literal porn streams you can go to the viewer list and twitch admins and twitch staff are separated from the rest of the viewer list they're at the very top uh so the they should be aware of this stuff very quickly people have to be reporting this and if not someone has to be going around uh, at Twitch and they're aware of it. I, I just wonder what takes so long sometimes for them to take this content off of Twitch. I don't have the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure that porn channel that was listed on uh, Ninja's offline screen, that, that was up for a solid 30 minutes at least, 30 minutes to an hour, somewhere around there. And I just don't exactly know what's going on over at Twitch. I mean, people can be like, ah, oh, yeah, the Twitch Twitch staff are all jerking off to it once they're done. I mean, yeah, there, there's that joke going around, but really what is happening to where they're not taking this stuff down quick enough. Uh, I mean, I, I get they don't have an automated way to do it, so it has to be some person doing it. Uh, and I just I just don't know why this stuff stays up for so long. Speaking of Twitch, I think last week's show I talked about uh, going to TwitchCon, all that stuff. I got word that my VR panel got denied. Uh, and this is actually a pretty stacked VR panel. We actually had sponsorships lined up and stuff. Uh, we got a lot of big names and... It, not not so much big names. Um, we got we got some very well known uh, VR streamers. Not necessarily talking about myself, but um, very experienced people. And uh, our panel got denied. Not sure why. They didn't really give me a response. But I was talking to some other people who had also submit VR panels, and every VR panel I know, of, which is really only a handful, uh, was denied from TwitchCon 2019. Last year, I was on the VR panel with V-Real, and we spoke on last week's podcast about how V-Real got pretty much taken down. Um, they're out of business, and so uh, they must have had a good relationship with Twitch. I don't exactly know how they secured the panel last year, but we were going to do a similar panel about VR streaming on Twitch. And uh, VR representation at TwitchCon, as far as panels go, uh, doesn't doesn't really look that good. Uh, they, they took me down. They took down another good Twitch panel. Uh, Twitch... It, in their in their years has not been very supportive of VR live stream. I'm waiting for that that streaming website to really take VR seriously and to really take VR live stream seriously. Um, we provided metrics to Twitch about how the Beat Saber category, for example, has grown in just a year, and how Beat Saber as a game has grown a year. Uh, and and VR is really this this up and coming medium with the Oculus Quest selling so well. The Oculus Quests are selling as fast as Facebook can manufacture them i know facebook partnered with someone to manufacture them they're not actually doing it but vr vr is on the come up and uh twitch there was that whole controversy a couple months ago about the virtual reality category on twitch being removed and i think it's a third party site that does all of twitch's category listings um, but that was very concerning and i'm just waiting for the first website to actually take this seriously whether it be twitch mixer i don't know what's going on over there at youtube gaming or even facebook I know Facebook, uh, of course, owns Oculus, so to have Oculus streamers on the platform to, to further push their product out to people, that would be huge. But it doesn't seem like any of the major 
VR streaming platforms right now are taking VR that seriously. Uh, and, and of course, once the wave hits, uh, because I truly do believe it'll hit, of course, once again, biased, I work in VR. I've been spending the past two years of my life doing this. It's probably been a little more than that. I think I'm at two and a half now. Uh, the wave's going to hit and at that point when VR content creation gets a lot bigger then these streaming sites might pick up on it a little more. I mean, it, it's doing pretty good on YouTube. Anytime I have a kid walk into to my VR arcade, um, they have seen PewDiePie or Jacksepticeye or one of those big names play Job Simulator. And they will literally play, play Job Simulator because they saw uh, a YouTuber enjoy it. And they'll come into my arcade and specifically request it. Or if they don't request it, I'll say, hey, have you seen this game before? And they'll say no. And I'll show them a five-second clip. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I saw Jacksepticeye play that game. It's on the come up. I just don't see any VR platforms right now taking it all that seriously. Speaking of which, uh, there, there's something I want to talk about with uh, Twitch being under so much heat lately with, uh, of course, the, the questionable banning uh, of people. That, To my knowledge, there have been three Twitch streamers this week in the past seven days who have used the N-word. One of them in my head is kind of uh, negligible. Maybe she didn't say that. It could have been something else. It could, it could have been a phrase that kind of rhymed uh, with the N word. But but one of them was just like, oh that that was a hard R. Uh, I listened to that clip not expecting anything, and it was a hard R. I don't necessarily want to play it here uh, live on the stream. I'm sure you guys can understand why. But there have been uh, multiple uh, hard R's dropped on Twitch this week. I, I I was joking around. I really think someone should make a this might violate Twitter terms of service, but I'm just saying anyway. It would be really funny, and I would follow that account if someone made an account that tweeted out clips of streamers uh, saying dumb things or doing terrible things or using the hard R. There's that YouTuber, of course, who spit on their dog, uh, which is, man, it's a despicable thing to spit on your dog. It's another thing to get that thing past post. Like, how are you editing your video and, and you were like, you know what? The dog spitting clip. Yeah, let's, let's keep that one in there. That's some good stuff. I have completely lost track of where I was going uh, from dog spitting. There, there have been some questionable things happening uh, on Twitch lately. And, of course, Twitch's enforcement of of their rules has been been pretty questionable. Uh, of course, Tfue got banned, uh, I think, a couple months back. I think he got banned for 30 days a month, something like that, for saying raccoon without the rat, in reference to a guy, a white guy, wearing a raccoon suit in Fortnite. And uh, there's some other streamers this week who have used the hard R, and absolutely zero uh, repercussions on that. Uh, I have no idea what's going on with Twitch's enforcement. But here's the other thing I, I've been seeing on Twitter lately, and I actually honestly see this on Twitter all the time. I want to I talk a little bit more, um, because I, I, I do get asked, decently often uh about being a twitch streamer and, and oh give me some advice for being a twitch streamer and, and what should you know what should i do like to increase my audience and all that stuff uh and and to be completely honest julie can you look up on social blade stealth shampoo and tell me like what rank my channel let's look is it up. can you do that for let's me look it up. let's look it up yeah, uh, yeah i'm doing it right now it is completely unrealistic for you to uh for anyone to become a successful Twitch streamer, and success, I, I define successful for the sake of this conversation by uh, metrics. By I know that's not the only thing that matters, 
by having consistent viewership, people chatting, stream growing, followers going up, views you know coming in consistently, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it is extremely unlikely that uh, most people who come to me for that advice will will make it on Twitch. And I, 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 in a way, this is kind of toxic. I see it on Twitter all the time. Don't give up. Keep streaming. Keep grinding. You'll get those viewers. And and I I, I want people to know that that. Yeah, I mean, have a good work ethic about it. But if you've been streaming for a year or two and you have no traction, give up. Go do something else with your time. It's finite. Go on and and you know, go go further your career. Take a class. Learn a new skill. This is not for you. Don't do not keep grinding. If what you're grind if you've been grinding for two years and you've seen nothing, uh, because you could be grinding somewhere else that could be more beneficial. Killer, what uh, social blade should show. My my Twitch channel's rank, as far as a follower count. Do you see it anywhere on there? Uh is it the grading or is it like a rank? It's like an actual rank, like oh, fo- follower follower rank yeah. is nineteen thousand six hundred seventy third. Nineteen thousand seven hundred what? Nineteen thousand six hundred and seventy third. Okay, so I'll I'll just are. call that. I'll just call that twenty k. Just a random sound. I have to say that big number. Yeah, that's, that's... I have I have the twenty. 20,000th biggest Twitch channel with uh, less than thir- I had 13,000. I've actually lost 1,000 followers since Evolve has crashed. Uh, no joke. I've lost pretty much exactly 1,000 followers. And I have the 20,000th 20, biggest Twitch channel. I'm in the 0.1% still. Well, there are millions of streamers out there, a vast sea of them, who don't get any viewers. Uh, and, and the reason for that is just to be blunt, and I want to say this to uh, some up-and-coming Twitch streamers. I, I see them at TwitchCon. They come up to me. And I don't want to be a dick. But honestly, give up. You don't, you don't need to be doing this. If you have some other skill uh, or interest or hobby, go pursue that instead. If you're streaming for a year or two, you don't need to be, uh, you don't need to be hitting your head against a brick wall. I mean, you might make it. But why not, you know, instead of trying to, Roll a twenty on a twenty-sided die. Why don't Why don't you try to roll a three on a three-sided die? That doesn't exist because I think that's actually not physically possible. But for the sake of the the, what's the word I'm looking for, Kuehler? The I'm not sure. Metaphor. There the, we go. For the, the sake metaphor. of the metaphor, roll 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 the dice with three sides and try to get a three. You know. Um. So at TwitchCon, I I'm, I was talking about this because my. My panel at TwitchCon got denied, and this brought it up to my mind. Uh, I, I, I've had a bunch of people, and this happens at every TwitchCon. I don't want to sound like a pompous asshole, like, oh, man, I've I've had 13,000 followers. You can't do it. No, I'm a nobody on Twitch. I'm at 0.1%. I've had uh, you know affiliates come up to me at TwitchCon, and, and they try to pitch themselves. Uh, and what ends up happening is I end up pitching myself to them and then forgetting who they are after they give me their card um, because... This is this is their pitch. I, I, this happens to me ten times a day at every TwitchCon every day, and I've been to all of them. Um, not necessarily the first one because they didn't have affiliates out back then, but someone will come up to me and they'll say, "Hey, I'm a Twitch affiliate. I play variety games and and shooters. Uh, here's my card. You know, let's 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 talk sometime." And I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'm Nikki from Still Shampoo. I play Evolve. I'm on the 2K stream team. Uh, I do VR stuff." Like X Y Z, like I actually have some definition as to what I'm doing. I don't just say variety streamer, Twitch affiliate. 
um, and and they go up because I I wear my partner jersey, which I actually left in Japan, or I'd wear my partner badge, and then people would come up to you. And I literally had a guy uh, come up to me and say like, "Man, people just don't want to talk to affiliates." And I thought to myself like, you know, I'm not I'm not going around talking to people based off of whether they're partner, affiliate, viewer, mod, staff, anything like that. I'll, I'll keep talking to you if you're interesting. Too many people came up to me and handed me business cards or. Some people did candy, which is cool. Keeler, you remember the remember the tin of dicks I gave you? Yeah, I still have it. Yeah. Oh, you still have the tin of dicks? Have you eaten them? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. Maybe I had one. I was afraid to. You yeah. Know? Oh, see, that's I don't thing. know what's there. That's the number one reason I gave Keeler the can of dicks, the tin of dicks. Um, sure, that's the number one reason. It's because I didn't want to eat them. Uh, well, also, I didn't want them, but also, I'm not going to just eat random, potentially poisoned goods, call me paranoid or not. Um you know, there's a whole controversy. It was at some public event. Someone put needles in cookies or something like that. I don't I know if you remember about that. I don't know if that was real. Yeah. But I heard something about that. I even forgot what it was. But. If I don't know you, I just can't accept random food from you. Like, that's it. You could poison it. Uh, you know, you put needles in it. God forbid. Who who knows? Who knows? I, I don't want to die. So I don't want to accept random food from you. It was a great marketing tactic. I'm not going to lie. I, I re- But the thing is, I remember... The can of dicks. I don't remember that guy's name. And no offense to, to you if you're ever listening to the Early Access Podcast episode two. But um, the, the the pitch, the thing I remember was the can of dicks and he didn't give me anything to associate with it. If you say, I'm an affiliate, I'm uh, I'm a variety streamer, I play shooters, I play Call of Duty. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, so do those 50 billion other people. If I say, I'm into virtual reality, rhythm games, uh, I play the Pokemon card game, you know, those are all I don't think there's anyone else in the world actually I don't know there's billions of people but I don't think there's anyone else in the world who has those three interests rhythm games VR and the Pokemon card game you know pick pick something that stand, that makes you stand out uh, and and a lot of affiliates just, just they bank on the affiliate thing like oh I'm an affiliate I want to be a partner I deserve to be a partner but they don't, they don't tell you why so that was a that, that was just something to take away uh, from TwitchCon. And, and, and here's the thing. I, I hate to say it, but if you're an affiliate for like two, three years uh, and, and you're not growing or, and you're not, you know, hitting huge peak numbers and you want to become a big successful streamer and it's not happening two, three years in, literally give up. Uh, maybe come back if a big game comes out. You know, if you're, if you're super into, let's say, Evolve, if Evolve 2 comes out. Go in and stream that if you were super big on Evolve, you know? Maybe that's your break. Uh, but you could be spending your time doing something better. And that's not to say the only success on Twitch can be found uh, with a big viewer count and sponsorships and having a DX racer and a sponsorship for a for a website building tool. That's not necessarily to say that. But, um, you know, there, there, there are other things you can do. Of course, you can just stream um, because you want to interact with your friends. I can... I. Honest to God, consider, uh, I mean, of course, Keeler, obviously, because we hang out in real life, but I, I honestly do consider some viewers friends. So nowadays, uh, I'm not going to call my stream successful, but I still do have fun sitting around playing Sound Voltex, even though no one wants to watch. Uh, if the few couple people who are still watching do watch, then I'll call that a win. Uh, I'm not necessarily out here ever again, potentially, uh, pro- probably not ever again to pull 100 200 300 or even like 1800 viewers like i did at my peak like i'm not trying to do that anymore so i'm not saying you have to be successful i'm not saying you need a billion viewers if you want to be like me and uh, just play a game you enjoy and whoever comes by comes by and if no one comes by you're not butthurt about it 
then that's fine. You can call that your own win. Uh, but if you if you are getting a little butt hurt that you've been doing this for three years and you peak out at 15 viewers, my man, go do something else. Go um go learn to fix cars. Go learn HVAC. Like that that's an incredibly uh I know I know random but profitable uh, career path that you can take that can't be sent off overseas and uh, maybe won't be automated anytime soon. You know, go go pick up a different skill. Um, go pursue something else you enjoy. I've seen some streamers too. This is kind of concerning. Um, I don't really want to name names, but I can think of three people off the top of my head who peaked at a stream and then and then and then went down because actually 99.9% of the time it's because the main game they're playing either died in, in the case of evolve or uh, they got tired of playing their main game it's always one of those two reasons and, and therefore their audience goes away as well twitch is super uh, I don't care what anyone says it's it's really based off the game you play or just sitting just chatting but I know plenty of people who who peaked out and then went down and then tried to pick it up again and it really had a toll on their mental health when they should have just given up and gone out to pursue another career. I mean, that's what I did, and I was very happy with the change. Um, I realized that being a professional Twitch streamer was a phase in my life that needed to end, and I had to move on to go do something else with my life. I have a degree to finish, and uh, after I finish it, now I have a degree to fall back on. And so uh, going off and then realizing you hit your peak, you're going down now, jump the ship. Um, I, I've seen people not jump the ship and stay drowning in the water for far too long before they moved on. And you only got so many years to live. I mean, you know, uh, I, I jump the ship sooner. Uh, if you see yourself going down, there's the, I, I mean, you don't have to jump it as soon as the first holes in the boat. Um, I, I really don't want the takeaway to this to be just give up, but just give up at some point. You, 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 you got to take the L and, and move on. And do something else with your time. Because every moment you spend streaming is a moment you, you can spend developing another skill or getting that degree that you're missing. Something like that. Uh, how far deep are we into this, Kilo? We almost have 40 minutes. Yeah, we almost have 40 I'm minutes. I'm actually not sure. About, about, about 40 minutes. I'm keeping track. Uh, I want to go through one more topic before we end this week. If you guys would do me a favor. If you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, or if you're not listening to Spotify or iTunes, go over there and give me a rating because that'll probably boost visibility. I want to give me that Soylent sponsorship so I can not only have Soylent, but Pokemon cards. I want to talk about one more thing that happened to me this week. Uh, I was, as always, uh, being a delinquent and blocking the sidewalk of the uh, streets out here in Northern California because I was playing Pokemon Go, and I was standing outside of Taishoken, the famous Japanese restaurant um, that had just opened. It was closed that particular day. I think they're closed on Mondays, and I was standing out there on a Monday, something like that. And I'm battling Pokemon, and this dude in a suit and tie comes up to me, and he says, yo, man, you waiting in line for the restaurant? And I'm like, nah, dude. And he's like, oh, have you been there before? Is it good? Taishoken, for those of you guys who don't know, is a legendary Japanese ramen restaurant. Um, they recently opened their, opened their first U.S. location uh, in Northern California. First, I think it might be their first non-Japanese location anywhere ever. So uh, people have been going to it nonstop. I work very close to it, and the line goes down the street all the time. It is packed, and that place has been open for almost a month. I think it might even be a month at this point. So this guy comes up to me, and he says, uh, have you tried the restaurant out before? And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I've been there twice. And, and, and at that point, he said he said to me something that, that has crossed my mind every day since he said it to me. He asked me, are you a Yelper? 
And I, and I immediately knew what he asked, but I still said, what? And uh, he said, yeah, like, like, are you Yelper? So how's this restaurant? Like, is it overhyped? Is it good? Like, he was thirsting to have an opinion on this restaurant. This is a culture that I don't understand. Similar to, like, some people might not understand the culture of card game players or rhythm game players or VR people. Uh, Yelpers is apparently a thing. Uh, and I think this is mostly around, like, food restaurants that people want to go out and, and leave a review. Uh, what, what is their incentive to go out and leave a review on, on a restaurant and, and, and form their own opinion about it? Do, do they get off on being that guy in the friend group who, yeah, I've been to that restaurant, order this, order that, this is good, avoid that restaurant. Uh, are, are they getting paid for this? Is this just their hobby? Are they foodies? Uh, I, I don't get it. I was a little offended that that man thought I was a yelper. I mean, I'm obviously a disgusting Pokemon Go player standing out in the streets wearing sweats. Uh, I, I'm not going to go sit down in this ni- nice Japanese restaurant anytime soon. But I want to I know. I haven't done any research on this. If you're a yelper, what are you doing with your life? Leave a comment on YouTube, youtube.com slash Uh That's where you can watch the Early Access Podcast. Or you can head over to iTunes, Spotify, give us a rating there. You probably can't leave a comment there. Discord.gg slash Head over there and let me know in the, uh, in the little form. I want your guys' questions, advice, stories, especially those of you who have been watching me for a long time. I've been on Twitch for, dude, it's almost six years. In October, it'll be six years I have been on Twitch. Uh, and a lot of those years, most of those years spent as a professional Twitch streamer. Anyway, discord.gg slash Del Shampoo. I want to hear from you guys in the audience before I decide to monetize that for $5 a month. Uh, head over to my Discord and uh, go to that Google form in the Early Access Podcast channel, discord.gg slash Del Shampoo. Leave me a question, request for advice, story, something you want me to respond to. Uh, anything is good. You know, here's the other thing I, I forgot to call out at the beginning of the podcast. You know, one thing I don't want to do, Keeler, is if we ever set up a Patreon for the Early Access Podcast, I don't want to do the thing because we're streaming it live on Twitch where if you pay $5, you get the podcast early because what that actually is is you pay $5 and you get the podcast on time because if you don't pay $5, everyone else gets the podcast late. And I think having a show based off of any kind of news and especially that you stream it live for free at some point to then... I don't want to use the word extort, but I will extort people for $5 to get the show on time. I think that's insane. Uh, so I've I've called out the things that I'm not going to do with this show. No website builder ads. No no holding the show hostage because we stream it live on Twitch and there's news. Sometimes stuff is time sensitive. Uh, no, no holding the show hostage for, oh, after we record it, get it early. No, it's just if you don't pay, you get it late. Come on, man. Glass half full, glass half empty. Uh, that's how I want to proceed. Oh, yeah. And, of course, I want this to be a radio-friendly show. So hopefully... Uh, for those of you listening on your commute in or out of work, that uh, you you get the full experience uh, and and relativeness to someone just sitting there watching on YouTube and uh, watching the waveforms of my voice going up and down. Keely, you got anything to add? Uh, no, I think we're pushing time right now. So We are pushing time. Close. We got to get out of here. Thank you guys for watching Early Access Podcast Episode 2. I've been your host, Nikki from Stell Shampoo. Keely is producing the show. And we'll see you guys all next week. This is live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. PST on twitch.tv slash Del Shampoo.